0: On our, on our walk with the Lord. And I'm sure it's one of the things that so often uh, we lament in our own lives is how poor we feel our walk with the Lord is. As a well-known hymn says, Oh, for a closer walk with with God, or a closer walk with the Lord. And how true that is, because every believer, when they, very often they stop and they're reflecting upon their their own lives and they're having a time with the Lord they say oh Lord I just wish that I could walk closer to you I wish that I could walk in a more intimate and personal way with you because so often we feel while that is our desire we feel that so often we lag behind we feel that we're straying that we're not walking with the Lord as we should because we've got to remember at the very beginning that's what God made us for to walk with us we read of how at the very beginning God walked with Adam in the in the cool of the day. A beautiful picture that we have here of the Lord uh, enjoying the fellowship of his creation with, with, with Adam. But of course we know that the fall caused that walk to stop. In fact, rather than walking with God, we find Adam running from God. So this is what sin does. Instead of walking with God, we run away from. And it's only in and through the Lord Jesus Christ that again, that we can find ourselves coming back to the place where we walk with God. And uh, in fact, uh, the Bible says, can two walk together except they be agreed? And that is so true spiritually because we cannot walk with God unless we are agreed with him. And the way that we come to be agreed with him is by accepting the great offer of Jesus Christ his Son and receiving Jesus as our Saviour. And then that is where the walk begins again. But of course, so often we don't know how to walk. And that's one of the things that so often the Bible is teaching us, telling us how to walk and showing us the way to walk. So a lot of Paul's writings are dealing with the whole area of walking. Now, in the previous verse, Paul has been course talking about the works and the deeds of the works of the flesh and the deeds of darkness and then he says in verse 13 but when anything is exposed by the light it becomes visible and this I think is Paul is talking here of the searchlight of the Holy Spirit where the Holy Spirit shines in upon our heart and reveals to us just what we're like and again there's many examples in the Bible of just that very thing but I think one of the great examples is in the life of Job remember that man Job who was a good man but the powers of darkness were given an open door to Job's life and we read of the destruction of everything that was precious to Job and where he lost his family, he lost his wealth he lost his reputation he lost virtually everything he had and it's really sad when you read the first two or three chapters of the book of Job and then to crown it all Job's friends they come and they batter, batter him with words and they're telling him that he must be a real hypocrite that this wouldn't have happened to him unless obviously he was a hypocrite and a large part of the book of Job is Job defending himself and showing that he's not a hypocrite that he's a righteous man that he's a good man and he defends himself and your sympathies are all for Job because we know that Job was an exceptionally, exceptionally good man. He was a saint. But then, near the latter part of Job, we find that it's God is then dealing with Job alone. And it's like God puts the searchlight, the spotlight into Job, into his heart. And Job begins to discover himself. And he begins to see the bitterness and the resentment and the pride and the anger, and all these things that he couldn't see before. And instead of trying to justify himself and make out that he was a good man, we find Job repenting in dust and ashes. Even although all that has happened to Job, he finds as the searchlight of God comes in upon him, that he's not who he thought he was. And that's what God's Spirit does. Opens up, reveals to us, shows us, just who we really are. And so that's what we have here. Because this word, exposed, in verse 13, but when anything is exposed, it has the idea of convicting. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He convicts us by showing us just what is there. And then uh, Paul moves really to looking at the work of Jesus himself. Uh, because that's what we have here. that Therefore it says, Awake, go, sleeper, and rise from the dead. Now, uh, when it says, Paul says, Therefore it says, this isn't a direct quote from anywhere. People are of different opinions. Some think that it was a hymn that was sung in the early church, or that it is a summary of different parts of Scripture. Some think, think that it's a summary of, for instance, Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1, where we have the arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. But uh, whatever it it is, it isn't a direct quote from anywhere, but it is very much a summary, really, of what the gospel is. And uh, a lot of people think that this is very much an evangelistic sermon. If you're going to preach this sermon, you preach it purely as an evangelistic sermon, that you're preaching... And you're speaking to people who are dead in their trespasses and sins, people who are far away from the Lord. And this is a call to them to to heed the Lord, to rise up, and to begin to follow the Lord. And while it is very, while we could justifiably preach an evangelistic sermon on that particular text, we've got to remember the context of it. And this is a letter that Paul is writing to Christians. So Paul is addressing Christians in these words not unbelievers but believers so Paul is addressing and he's saying the Christian can be a somebody who's dead the Christian can be somebody who is sound asleep still a Christian but sound asleep And so we can look at it in in, in both these these ways because Paul, remember, at the very beginning, it's obvious it's to Christians he's writing because he says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us. So you see, it is very obvious that Paul is uh, writing to believers here. So uh, Paul is showing that a Christian can be asleep and Christians can be asleep sometimes without knowing it. When, when we go to sleep, we're not thinking all the time, oh, you know, I'm asleep just now, this is good. When we sleep, we're not aware. You know, sometimes you, say, well, you can nod off to sleep. And you, you may be waking with a jolt and say, oh, I, I, I nodded off to sleep there. When you're awake, you know you're not sleeping. But when you're asleep, you don't really know that you're not awake. So you see, <clears throat> the same can be true in a spiritual sense as well. Because we can, be, we can be slumbering Christians and not really aware of it. And we can become very comfortable as slumbering Christians. And very often a Christian begins to slumber by neglecting the most basic things in the Christian life. For instance, and probably the number one thing, is your own personal private devotions i believe that that's where slumbering always begins when you stop your daily reading with the lord your daily prayer it is it is it is the most essential thing to feed upon the lord jesus it's much harder to become a slumbering sleeping christian if you have if you're daily exercised not simply going through the motions because a sleeping Christian, a slumbering Christian, actually can go through the motions of opening the Bible, of reading a few verses, of mumbling a few words in prayer, morning and night. And if you said to them throughout the week, "What? What did you read this? Can't tell you. What did you pray about? Can't tell you." you see, that's that's indicating a, a, a slumbering. sleep. Your exercise, however short it should be, it must be. However short it is, it must be an exercise that's got life in it otherwise it's not bringing this good but you know a slumbering sleepy Christian can become very cozy and very comfortable you can still be going to church but you stop listening you know supposing for instance at home and you say oh I'm really tired I want to have a wee nap and you can maybe say alright I'm going to lock the door and switch the phone off so I won't be disturbed for a wee while because you 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 just say oh I'm, I'm going to slumber, you know the Christian can do that as well. You can reach the place where you begin to get cosy and comfortable, and you begin to switch off. And you can come to church and you're switched off. You've learnt you've come into this state now, where you come in and your your mind is closed and you you're in a you're in a switch off mode, and it's going on week in week out and that's the way that's the way you're living. And it's it's no use. Now the thing is, you're still appearing to everybody else, unless maybe to the very most discerning people, you're still appearing to everybody else to be a vital, vibrant Christian. And you and I know that people talk in their sleep. Well, a Christian can be a slumbering, sleeping Christian and still able to talk the talk. Some people walk in their sleep. The Christian is still able to... Or the slumbering Christian can still do the Christian walk. So that you can be appearing to everybody to be involved, to be alright. But there's still there's this you're not where you once were. You're slumbering, you're sleepy, you're drowsy. And that's that's the kind of church that Satan wants. Satan wants a church full of slumbering, sleepy, drowsy Christians. He's not too bothered about that kind of church. Because he's saying to himself, ah, they're, they're not going to do much for it. <laughs> they might be doing this and that, but there's no real heart in it. I'm not too worried about that church. Satan's always worried about the churches that where there's Christians who are wide awake and they're active and they're prayerful, they're vibrant, they're Bible reading. Much more worried and concerned about them. So we find that there's this this cry, Awake, O sleeper. And the problem is that sometimes if we've slumbered off to sleep and we get a jolt and the Lord gives us a jolt and maybe we've been slumbering for a wee while and we get this jolt and we think that everything will be as it once was but it's not. We're kind of like Samson. Remember when Samson, when he had fallen asleep with Delilah and she woke him and said, The Philistines are on you. It's after she had had got his hair cut and Samson got up remember as he he thought every other time he thought he was as he was before he shook himself and he went out to beat the Philistines up but this time the Lord had left him on his own he couldn't do it it wasn't as it was before and although the Lord had not abandoned Samson altogether that power that God had given him had gone Sometimes we will find that if we've been slumbering for a while, we've drifted off and we're away and we're not, that when, when the Lord does begin to stir us up, we find it's not as it used to be. And we find that we've got a hill to climb to get back. Because you don't get back overnight to where you were. Sometimes there's a struggle. So it's, it's very important that we, we don't allow ourselves to, 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 to wander off. And uh, the funny thing is that I suppose the generation that we we live in it's much harder in many ways to walk as closely with the Lord as in previous generations. For the simple reason is that we have so much. Now I know that there are many people today who have very little. I know we're living in a day where again there's poverty and there are people so many homeless and such like. But by and large compared to How went back generations back with the whole area of where we have so much in the way of social services and such like that weren't there in the past. People long ago, maybe in the time of your grandparents, your great-grandparents, they often didn't know where their next meal was coming from. They were utterly dependent so often on the Lord. There was this living day by day upon the Lord that he would provide. And for them... There, it, it wasn't a question of whether I'm going to walk with the Lord today or not. They were walking with the Lord because they had to. And in some ways it's harder for us, where we have so much there for us, uh, to, to have the guard down and to become, to become complacent. And uh, it's very easy for our, our souls to settle in, in the world. Because the world has a huge pool and a huge draw upon it. And it's so often it, it it sucks us in. It's very it's very invasive. It, it dulls people. I remember there was a lady. My mother was where we used to live way, way back. She was very friendly with this lady. She was a very spiritually minded woman, and used to phone a lot. And occasionally, my mother would go and spend a weekend with her. George, you love a Christian company, a Christian fellowship. But then she used to phone every so often. She said, to, she said, I used to hear her, it wasn't to me she was saying, but I used to hear her talk to my dad and she said, I don't know what's wrong with this lady. I can't get close to her anymore. It's just there's a when I try to talk about spiritual things, she's just she's not interested. Anyway, she went then to, to stay with her. And this woman I've got to remember back in the day had got a telly There were not tellies then. She'd got a television and she'd become an absolute TV addict. I'm not <laughs> Nothing wrong with that television, don't get me wrong. That's not the point of the story, but it was on from first thing in the morning to last thing at night, and that's all she was doing. She was just glued and absorbed everything all the time, and unknown to her, she hadn't stopped being a Christian, but it had taken away the spark it had begun to to her it had begun to to affect her spirituality. She wasn't aware of it, but she'd become a slumbering Christian because she just absorbed everything all day. And uh, this this is, you see, we we live in this very powerful world. And that's why it's it's harder to maintain this walk, to to be alive and vibrant, because we're we're bombarded with with the world that's around us. And we've got to remember, of course, that we have the enemy of our souls who's always trying to get us to slumber and sleep. And you and I know that we can be as we can be wide awake reading something, involved with something, and then say, you know, I'm going to draw aside for a little. I'm going to read. I'm going to read God's word. Have you? We've often done that. And the moment you do, the moment you pick up God's word or, or or a good book, a heaviness comes into your eyes. It wasn't there before. You're reading the paper. You're reading a magazine. And you're really, well, that's, that's that's really interesting. You're wide awake. And then you say, oh, well, before I go out or whatever, I'm going to, I'm going to pick up this book, have we read. And uh, we've got to remember that this is one of the things that Satan does. He causes us to become drowsy with our spiritual heaviness. Jesus' disciples wanted to pray with him in the garden, but they couldn't. They were being overcome with a spirit of heaviness and sleep. Every time Jesus came back, he said to them, watch and pray. I'm going over there to pray. Every time he came back, they were sound asleep. Because there was this heaviness had come on them. And he said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And we've got to remember that. That's what Satan does. He brings his drowsiness into a prayer life. Have you ever found that? You start to pray and just your concentration goes. You start wandering. Come into church. And you say to yourself, well, I'm going to concentrate today. And then you're, you're, you're hearing the voice and your mind's away. And, and the devil's a master. If he doesn't make you drowsy of bringing something before you that will worry you or something that you're going to be doing while it's a way ahead. And oh, I'm thinking about this. And he brings all these things, anything to stop us focusing so there's a constant battle going on against the enemy of our souls. And so this is why this cry comes to us to waken up. Apparently, history will tell us, and I, I don't know how this happened, but it was said that Napoleon's army, that there were times when they were able to march. They walked through the night sometimes asleep. They were, they had become so used to these long marches that, and I don't know if they were actually what we would call really asleep, but they were able to they were able to somehow to keep keep going and they weren't in a if they weren't sound asleep they were they were kind of not really conscious of properly of what they were doing. It's quite an extraordinary thing. But I'll tell you one thing, even if they were able to walk and cover the ground, half a sleep, they couldn't fight like that. You'd have to be awake, you have to be alert. Oh, you're finished. You can't fight when you're sleeping. You might be able to walk when you're sleeping, but you can't fight. And so it is in the Christian life. We might be able to walk after a fashion while we're asleep, but we can't wrestle, we can't fight, we can't press, we can't do these things. And so this is why the call comes to arise. And uh, so it would also appear from the Bible that before the Lord Jesus Christ returns that the church is going to have a real struggle with slumbering and sleeping. Because you will find that Jesus, so often he gives a warning. He says, I'm going to return all of a sudden. And I don't want you to be slumbering and sleeping. I want you to be awake. I want you to be prepared. I want you to be watching. Because I'm going to come as a thief in the night. I'm going to come suddenly. And in fact, he gives stories. For instance, the parable of the the ten, the wise, and the foolish virgins, the, the 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 bridesmaids, and remember, it says that the the ten of them, the wise and the foolish, they all, all of them, they slumbered and slept, and then all of a sudden, bridegroom arrives, and there's a cry comes up, and it tells us that the the, the wise, although they had fallen asleep their lamps, they trimmed their lamps it would appear their lamps had almost gone out but they hadn't, there was still oil in their lamps but of course the foolish had no oil and they didn't get into to the marriage but at that particular point it would be very hard to distinguish who were the church and who weren't, who were the believers and who weren't because they were all slumbering and sleeping and Jesus is saying that's kind of is that how it's going to be when I return? A sleeping, slumbering church? And so we have find, find all the, the, these warnings coming. And that's why the cry is, Awake, O sleeper, and arise. And uh, this cry, of course, was made to all. And the funny thing is that those who are most likely to hear it are those who are awake. Those who are already awake. And it's very often those who are ava- awake that will take this cry to themselves. But Jesus gives this cry to all his people because he loves his people too much. He loves you. He loves you, as we read there later on, how it says, husbands love your wives. How are husbands to love their wives? Well, it tells us, as Christ loved the church. And how did Christ love the church? He loved the church self-sacrificially. He loved the church so much that he gave his life. He couldn't do more absolutely to the very furthest point and that's that's the love that Christ has for all his people that's the love that Christ has for you today and he wants you to enjoy the fullness of his presence of his companionship of his love he wants to walk with you he wants you to he says remember how it used to be remember how we used to share together well that's how, that's how I want, I want it, it to be and we've got to remember that the Holy Spirit is so sensitive, you know there are times where the Lord draws really close to us and we say ah this is good, this is, how it, ah, this is how it used to be, I love this and you feel the presence of the Lord and the power of the Lord and sometimes by the end of the next day you're saying well it's gone, it's all gone and you see, we tend to forget how sensitive the Holy Spirit is. How easily grieved the Holy Spirit is. We can grieve God's Spirit by what we say and by what we do and what we give our mind to, by all these things. So we're, we're so often up against it at all, at all fronts. But again, there is this, there's this great cry to, to Awake, O oh sleeper. And the cry is, is actually very personal. Oh sleeper, away go oh sleeper. And it's, it's, it's personal, it's, it's it's individual. Because it's to you. This is not a general cry as such, although it's to all the Lord's people, but the language, the grammar of it is, it's it's, it's individual, it's personal, it's, it's to you, it's to me. And let's remember, even today, the way the Lord first came to us, the very first time that we had. And might be, you might have started as a child, might have started as a little person. You might have, you know, that's one of the problems that some people have in the in the church. Is that they say I can't remember a time when I didn't actually love the Lord. I can't remember a time. Thank the Lord that that's the way it's been for you. But some people struggle with this because they they're looking, they're hear other people talk and they have a clear they have a clear testimony. They're able to say, well, poor. I know that (laughs) I was dark and now I'm light but for me it seems to be kind of blurred well all I'll say is this as life has gone on for you and you have choices that are set out before you why is it that you're still following this particular road why is it that you're still following the way of the Lord it's because like Peter said to whom else can we go? Because you have the words of eternal life. This is in your heart. And you know that deep down there's no one else that you want. And let me tell you, only, only a Christian can feel like that. It tells us in the word that the others saw no beauty in him, that they should decide him. But you decide him. He's, he's there in your heart. And it won't go away. He won't. It's not, he, it won't go away. He won't go away. That's why you're still where you are. And sometimes it's harder for people like that to be able to come to this place and say, well, <clears throat> I, I am a Christian. Because they've, they've kind of felt like this all the way along. But if you felt like that all the way along, it is because of that love that is there. And it's deep down there. Sometimes you're not so aware of it, but it's just... His love is always there. And so it's this this love that is drawing you all the time. And he, he's 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 calling, he's calling us all today. And it tells us arise, O sleeping, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. You and I know how, how much we love the sun. We've had we've had a few sunny days in the summer. We've had a, we've had a reasonable summer all in all. But there's been a few really sunny days. And You know, there's something beautiful about when it's just a really sunny day and the sun is shining down and there's warmth and everybody feels better. Even grumpy people have a wee bit of a smile on their face because it, it, it makes, you feel a bitty, makes you feel a wee bit better. Well, how much more when the sun of righteousness will arise and he will shine down his love upon you. There is healing in your, in your soul. And there's this sense of this belonging to him. And he's saying, that's what I want. Arise, and I will shine my love down upon you. And as I shine on you, I will shine through you. And that's what was required in the Bible. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and so glorify your Father which is in heaven. So this is a call that is coming to us all today. That we, might, that we might awake and arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. And may I say to anybody here today who doesn't know Jesus as their Savior, that anybody who is still outside and yet you're here in the presence of Christ with his people, what a wonderful opportunity. Because Jesus is offering himself to you in the Gospel today. And he says, I'm here. I'm here for you. And you today, I want you to ask the Lord and say, Lord, I want you to come into my heart. Into my life. Shine your spirit into my heart. Come into my soul and live with me. And you know, once the Lord comes in, he stays forever. One of the favorite words John always uses, abiding. Abiding comes to live forever. May that be how it is for you and me today. Let us pray. Lord, we pray to bless us. We give thanks for our time together for being under your word. and We pray that your word will go deep into our souls. We pray as we uh, come to a communion season and the next Lord's Day if spared, we'll be sitting at your table. We pray that we might be prepared in heart, that we might arise and that we might, uh, even if we're slumbering, uh, that we might become uh, vital, vital, revitalized within our souls and that we will enjoy communion and fellowship with you. Be with all the preachers who come and pray that you will bless them and uh, that they will be a blessing to us and that they will be blessed in themselves as they proclaim your word. We pray to bless all that we are as a congregation we pray again in light of uh, after the communion the planned visitation of uh, Mackenzie Park area we ask Lord that Uh, that uh, those who go round will be received uh, graciously and that many doors will be opened and that it might please you, Lord, that people will come uh, to church and that people will be saved. We commit all to your care and keeping. Do us good, we pray. and Bless a cup of tea, coffee in the hall after for giving us our sin in Jesus' name. Amen. (laughs) Let us conclude our service singing from Psalm forty three in Sing Psalms, Psalm number forty three in Sing Psalms, from verse three to the end the tune is Marel, Psalm forty three. On page fifty four, just three three stanzas. Oh send your light forth and your truth, let them direct me in your grace and bring me to your holy hill, into your sacred dwelling place. Then to God's altar I will go to God, my joy and my delight. And I will praise you with a harp. O God, you are my God of might. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you so disturbed in me? Trust God, for I will praise him yet, my Saviour and my God is he. Psalm 43, 3 to the end. Oh, send your light forth and your truth.
1: Oh. Send your light forth and your truth. Let them direct me in your grace and pray. And I will pray.